Welcome to Let's Talk Learning Disabilities with Lori Peterson and Abby Weinstein. Lori and Abby spend their days talking about dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and ADHD. They talk to parents of struggling students and adults who have had a lifetime of academic challenges. They want to share those stories along with their own insights with you. So, let's talk learning disabilities. Hey everybody, welcome to Let's Talk Learning Disabilities. This is Lori. And this is Abby. And we decided today, we thought it might be a good idea to sort of revisit some basic general information on dyslexia. We realized we haven't really talked about dyslexia since our very first episode, mm -hmm. which is crazy. It is crazy. And today we're on episode 45, so it's it's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute. So yep. episode one, you can listen to about dyslexia. And then episode two, episode two, we're interviewing a dyslexia therapist, which was super interesting. Um, and I think we've had another one, but we might. I think it's good just to go over some of the basics because we, we still get a lot of questions about dyslexia um, and what it is and what it isn't. Mm -hmm. So I think today the best thing a we're going to do. A lot of people coming in thinking they have dyslexia. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's probably the number one suspected learning disability that children and adults think they have. Absolutely. So, you know, I think first off, Abby, tell us what are some of the, you know, when parents are looking or, or even for themselves, individuals, think that they may have dyslexia, what are some of those early warning signs? Like early, early, early childhood. preschool kind of stuff. Um, some of the early warning signs to look for, for example, might be delays in learning to talk. So those developmental delays in speech sounds, babbling, first words, putting two words together, talking in three to four or five word sentences. So those are, you know, that is a big warning sign of some early developmental delays that could lead to dyslexia. Also, difficulty with rhyming. If your preschooler is having a hard time rhyming words or repeating back rhymes, even learning nursery rhymes, that could be a red flag warning sign of dyslexia. Um, also, difficulty pronouncing words is an early warning sign for dyslexia. And some of that too is, you know, there's always that fine line between what's developmentally, developmentally appropriate. appropriate. But, you know, if if they're hearing the word correctly, you know, but they're struggling to repeat it and putting the right sounds in the right order, mm -hmm. that can sometimes be a red right. flag. But it is important, as you mentioned, Lori, to know what which sounds are developmentally appropriate at which ages. So if you look on the internet, for example, at developmental stages of speech, you might see that the TH sound comes much later or the R sound comes much later than some of the vowel sounds and other consonant sounds. So don't be too you know, Panic. freaked out and panicked if your child is not able to make their R's and they're three years old or they can't say their THs or they still say Lello for yellow. Um, a lot of that is developmentally appropriate. However, it is definitely an early warning sign of dyslexia when they're struggling to produce speech sounds and to speak in whole words and to say their words correctly. 
Also, poor auditory memory for nursery rhymes and songs that you've been singing. You may have some nursery rhymes that you sing over and over and over again every night at bedtime or every morning during your morning routine. And if your child, your preschooler, is struggling with remembering those songs and repeating them back in sequence, that is an early warning sign. For and one dyslexia. of those, one of those being the alphabet song. The alphabet song. That's a huge one. Exactly. That's a huge one. Many, many children know the alphabet song way before they actually know their actual alphabet or can recite the alphabet. Even in order, they still have to sing the song in order to get mm-hmm. the letters in order. So if they're struggling with singing their ABC song and saying all those sounds that they hear, they might miss a few here and there, but that is definitely an early warning sign for dyslexia. Also trouble learning and naming letters and numbers. So if you have a preschooler that is really struggling to learn the names of their letters, that's an early warning sign as well as struggling to learn the names of the sounds for the letters, especially those letters that are most common in their world, like the letters in their name. They should, you know, by four years old, be able to name each letter in their own name because they've seen it in their environment, they've heard it, and then know the sounds that those letters produce. Also naming numbers, you know, learning those numbers, naming them, seeing the symbol and associating the name of it with it. That's an early warning sign for dyslexia. So much of that is about the association too, Mm -hmm. right? Being able to associate that sound or that quantity with that number. With that number, Um, that symbol. And, you know, this would probably be a good time to interject before we get into some of the common characteristics that we see in in school-aged kids, you know, kind of just a refresher on what dyslexia is. And it's really an inability to understand how the letters and sounds come together to make words. To me, that is the easiest, most bare bones definition. Mm -hmm. So not being able to assign the right sound to the right letter at the right place in the word. Right. And understand how all those sounds come Come together. together. So when you've got a school-aged child... The inability to decode a word, mm-hmm. whether it's decode or we encode, which is basically spelling, you know, the inability to understand what letter comes next or how to sound those letters out. They might be able to say each sound in a word, but then they can't blend those sounds together. Right. So you see those kids when they read, they stop and they say every single sound in that word, but then they can't tell you what word it was. Right. Or they can say the first sound of a word and they just guess what word it might be instead of saying the sound of each letter they see in the word they're just guessing some common familiar words in their repertoire by just basing it off the first letter they see and they're not trying to decode the word and right. blend all those sounds together right because it's just so confusing and when you when you are struggling with decoding and you're struggling with recognizing whole words, which oftentimes kids with dyslexia do that as well, mm-hmm. then it makes your reading very disfluent. It's very hard to read fluently right. if you're having to stop at every single word or every other word. Sound it's it out slow. or try to sound it out or guess. Right. Um, reading is often very slow. It's laborious. Labored, yeah. Very labored, very disfluent. Very it's exhausting choppy. for them. It, it, they're using all of their mental energy to get through each and every sound in each and every word that it's very disfluent and choppy. And then by the time they get to the end of that 
word or words or sentence, they have no idea what they just read because it took all their mental energy to get through each and every word. Which then totally impacts the comprehension, mm-hmm. right? Because it's really hard to comprehend something when all you've been thinking about is every single sound. That's right. You're really missing the whole message. True. For kids that take spelling tests, now, interestingly enough, not everybody's taking spelling tests these days. Right. But for those kids that are taking spelling tests, they might be able to memorize you know, you work on them every day, every day, every day. They take the test. They make a good grade. You're like, woohoo, we got it. But then that word shows up a week or two later in their writing or in their reading. They have no idea what it is. Mm-hmm. So they've memorized for that week. And then they like brain dump and start all over again for the next week. Right. Nothing sticks because they don't understand the rules. They don't understand why that word is spelled that way. Mm-hmm. So for them to see it again, it makes no sense to them. And oftentimes when they do try to spell words within their writing, you know, I guess another warning sign might be that they're not putting in all the appropriate sounds. So when you say a word, there are certain sounds you hear. There are silent sounds in many of our words in the English language, but there are always certain sounds that you hear when you say that word. And if your child is writing, spelling words, and they're missing key important sounds that you hear in that word, that might be a warning sign that they are not processing the sounds and understanding how the sounds come together to make words and and other sounds, even blending letters together. Which then impacts their ability to get their ideas on paper. And what we see as kids get older, they tend to use more and more um, less mature vocabulary because they're only going for the words that they're comfortable spelling mm-hmm. or that they know how to spell. And so they tend to sort of water down their writing with these easy words and they have a very hard time getting their thoughts on paper. Writing becomes just as frustrating as reading for them. Mm-hmm. It's true. Writing is impacted definitely in dyslexia. Interestingly, though, they're usually really good at math. And they are usually very good at math. Usually have at least average to above average math skills. Two plus two is four. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter how. Doesn't matter how you spell it. Right. It's very concrete. (laughs) Now, word problems are another story. Mm -hmm. And if those are read to them, they can probably do them. Right. And that's what we see a lot of. But those math facts, they get math. Math is very black and white. They got it. Mm-hmm. It's easy. And that's where they feel successful. So that's the homework they want to do first. That's the class that they tend to enjoy more. Math makes sense. You know, what's interesting, we talked about how having dyslexia or having difficulty reading can also impact your comprehension. Definitely with if you are not fluent at reading and it's very laborious. However, interestingly enough, I have seen many, many students with dyslexia that have been diagnosed with dyslexia that actually have good comprehension skills. So somewhere along the way, they've learned really good compensatory techniques and strategies at identifying the words that they do know and using context clues, using pictures, relying on semantic clues. And so there are students out there that do have good reading comprehension skills. So don't assume just because your child has good comprehension skills and they're struggling to read that there's no way they have dyslexia because they can have comprehension that's at least average or on grade level and still be struggling tremendously to read unfamiliar words, to sound out unfamiliar words. That's where we see a lot of older kids can get by and they can fly under the radar and and nobody recognizes their struggles because 
they're comprehending. they're comprehending. And so we have we've had individuals that have made it all the way into high school and college before they hit that wall where there's just so many unfamiliar words that there's no way to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. But up to that point, they've been able to use all those strategies. It's pretty right. fascinating. It is fascinating. It is interesting to see how many college age students and adults that we diagnose with dyslexia for the very first time. They're usually pretty bright though. They're usually very, very bright and they have coped and compensated for a very long time. And that's, you know, talking about being bright, that is something that's important to know is that if you have dyslexia or you suspect your child has dyslexia, that does not mean that you're dumb or that you don't have a good intelligence ability. Um, Typically, individuals with dyslexia have at least average to above average intelligence and are very bright and capable of learning and have good reasoning and problem solving skills. It's more that this this unexpected underachievement in the area of reading that's impacting them, this this wiring within their brain. Um, But it is a language-based disorder, so starting with language, thinking about anything revolving around language, so letters, words, sounds, writing, spelling, reading, all of those skills can be very difficult in someone that has dyslexia. It's also very genetic. It is very genetic. I mean, it doesn't always have to be mm-hmm. a family history, but there's usually a strong family history. Usually. And what we find, too, is that um, parents will often say, you know, well, my grandmother struggles to read or my grandfather and they were never officially diagnosed because back then mm-hmm. we didn't diagnose it but um there was an undiagnosed reading difficulty if if there isn't one that was diagnosed right. so it's interesting when they start kind of digging mm-hmm. or a cousin has it or you know it, it, there is some lineage some in the family, the family yeah that has it so reading struggles for sure so so we've talked about some of the early warning signs and then those most common characteristics of dyslexia. Um, what would you say dyslexia is not? Something that we hear a lot of questions about when people call in or come in for an assessment. Well, I mean, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind that we have preached several times on this podcast is B&D reversals. It is the craziest myth that we don't know who started. It has nothing to do with dyslexia whatsoever. It, it, B&D reversals. B&D, P&Q, P&Q. Threes and fives. Mm-hmm. Backwards. Twos and Zs. Uh, uh-huh, they're all backwards. Or, or the, yeah, they mistake mm-hmm. them. That is really Whatever. developmentally appropriate till about the end of second grade. So if you have a child who has a really late birthday, it could seep a little bit into third grade. But about that time, you should start seeing the BD reversals wind down. Now, if they continue, then we're talking about probably some kind of visual processing issue, which we've talked about at length in many of our podcasts. But BD reversals have nothing to do with dyslexia. Kids know what a, that a B makes the B and the D makes the D. They just write the wrong letter. Mm-hmm. So they got the right sound. They're just putting the wrong letter because they're not. it's a visual representation and they're not recognizing um, right. because it looks so visually similar. But I do have to say, I did get a call today that it, I'm so glad we're doing this now because another thing that dyslexia isn't, like you were talking about earlier with the comprehension, had a mom call today, high school student struggling with comprehension, just not getting anything out of what she reads. So she assumes it must be dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Well, not necessarily. There's lots of reasons why you may not be comprehending what you're reading. Mm-hmm. Sure, it could be dyslexia, but if you've made it, again, I mean, we do see kids and adults that get very far, but 
those struggles tend to be more the spelling and the and the poor reading fluency. Comprehension could be something else. And so Absolutely. attention deficit causes a lot of comprehension problems. Mm-hmm. Visual processing stuff can cause a lot of attention. Uh, uh, comprehension thank difficulties. You. So, but that is, you know, that we get that from adults a lot too. We I do. feel like we get a lot of phone calls where like I'm, I read and read and read and then I have no idea what I just read. So I must have dyslexia. Right. But mm-hmm. did you read it? Could you read it? Did you have any problems reading it? No, right. I read just fine. I just don't remember what I've read or I don't understand right. what I've read. Or I lose my place when reading or I read the same sentence over and over uh-huh. again. That is not dyslexia. Or having the words move around on the page. Mm-hmm. That kind of all circles back to the visual processing. Right. So Words moving on the page. I definitely feel like those are the big ones that we hear mm-hmm. um, that are mistaken for dyslexia. People assume it's dyslexia. Also, you know, I see something that parents also see and think that it, assume that it's dyslexia is their children writing backwards. So writing from right to left, completely mirror mirror imaging their words and writing backwards or transposing letters within words. That is not dyslexia either. And that is also developmentally appropriate up to, you know, about the end of second grade, middle of second grade, but it is typically a sign or symptom of something else going on, like a visual processing difficulty or deficit, and it's not dyslexia that causes you to write backwards. I wonder how, I wonder, I mean, dyslexia is, I mean, when you look it up and read the definition, it's so clear. I just, I'm so fascinated as to how that got started. You know, I don't know where it got started, but even some educators still see think see that and think that that means their ch- the child or the student needs to be tested for dyslexia, and they yeah, think because we have fine. teachers that that refer we do for those reasons. We do. So it's been perpetuated for a long time, and it might be that individuals with dyslexia don't write and spell well, and so we assume if we see a mistake in their writing like a B or D reversal, mm-hmm. that it must be dyslexia. But it's not, because dyslexia is, again, based in that phonological awareness, that understanding of the sounds within our language and how those sounds come together to make words and how they can be broken apart and manipulated to make different sounds and different words. So I'm curious, because I don't think we've ever talked about this before, and I don't even know that I can speak to it all that well, but if you Google... Um, and Google knows everything. Mm-hmm, if you right. Google, there are different types, types of dyslexia. So when we talk about dyslexia, we talk about phonological dyslexia, which is the most prevalent. If you look at the mm-hmm. International Dyslexia Association, that's their definition of dyslexia. If your child or you have ever received any kind of dyslexia therapy through a school, you're receiving therapy for phonological oh, okay. dyslexia, meaning letters, sounds, making words. There are other um, types of dyslexia. They have lots of different names. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually they kind of mean the same thing. One of them I know is visual dyslexia, which mm-hmm. we have already, I think we've debunked that, but in case we haven't, that's really where we sit with a visual processing problem. Um, it's not dyslexia. I think that's too confusing right. to call it dyslexia. We've had some parents call in and ask about testing for something called stealth Dyslexia, that's going to be my next one, yep. Which, if you read about it on the internet, it's um, someone who is very, very bright, above average intelligence. Way above. Way above average. And they're not really having a lot of reading struggles for a long time. So it does oftentimes look like some of those 
high schoolers, college age kids, adults that have coped and compensated for a long time and then start struggling. But really stealth dyslexia it's just dyslexia. It's just dyslexia. And it just means that they did, because they were so bright and had so many great coping skills and compensatory techniques that they've compensated for so long. So that does that mean that when a student comes in for testing, can they, um, if they are really bright, can we still see the dyslexia? We still can, yeah. Even if they're very, very smart, well above average intellectual ability, typically we will still see difficulties. Maybe they've memorized a ton of familiar words and sight words, but they they might struggle with decoding unfamiliar words or nonsense words. They might read slowly and laboriously and disfluently, and it's labored and have some mispronunciations or substitutions. And they struggle to manipulate sounds and words is what we see. That's right. They still struggle with that phonological awareness piece where they're having to manipulate the sounds within a word to make a new word. Yeah. So, yeah, because we get that asked a lot, too. Mm -hmm. You know, they've been they've been getting by with this for so long. They've learned how to fake it. So will they be will you be able to see it um, if they've learned how to fake it? And Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. If they have dyslexia, then it will come out in our evaluation. Now, if there are difficulties related, if there are reading difficulties, but they don't meet the diagnostic criteria for dyslexia, we usually can dig deep into what's going on and figure out some other reason for the reading difficulties, such as a visual processing disorder, an auditory processing disorder, an attention deficit disorder. There are a lot of other reasons why someone might be struggling with reading. It doesn't just have to be dyslexia, but dyslexia is the most common learning disability, especially regarding reading and spelling yeah. and writing. And I feel like, you know, the the information about dyslexia that's out there, it's great information, but I feel like there is a lot of, there are a lot of myths. Mm-hmm. I feel like the sometimes different schools, districts, the way schools test for dyslexia can sometimes be a little bit confusing. Mm-hmm. Um they they look at all the same features, but they really are very black and white in With their scores. Yeah, and how a child fits into that profile. And I think sometimes you have to look a little bit broader mm-hmm. and look at some other factors, right? Um, because we have a lot of kids that come to us that have already been tested and and said nope, they don't qualify or they don't meet diagnostic criteria. When in fact they really do. They do. Right. They really do. And I love that we really look at a preponderance of evidence. You know, we don't just base it just on test scores. We look at parent input, student input. We interview the student. Are they struggling to read? Do they complain about struggling to read? What do their teachers say? How much help have they already gotten? How much help have they already gotten? Exactly. Has it helped? What types of interventions have they had? Have they been, has that intervention been effective? And has the child responded, you know, appropriately to the intervention? If they've had intensive intervention and it's not helping or they're not showing good adequate progress then it very well could be just that's a like red flag it. right i think too that you know sometimes and those um, borderline scores too i'm sorry to interrupt no, you, you but that is something that we take our time and we look at i mean just because you have an 
average score or what's considered average, it might be borderline, right on the cusp of being average to low average or close to being below average. So take that borderline score and Mm. add all that qualitative data Makes a big difference. Makes a big difference. Well, and, you know, we put a lot of weight in that phonological awareness, you know, mm-hmm. the, being, the ability to manipulate sounds, which a lot of programs, even in the even when kids are getting that extra help at school, they'll go in and teach those skills. So we may test a student that can manipulate sounds all over the place, but they can't decode or spell because they can't apply the they rules. Can't apply it, they can right. they can repeat those patterns and mimic what they've learned, but they have no application, which, you know, again, is a huge red flag for dyslexia. Exactly. They can learn this rule, but if they can't actually apply it in their day-to-day reading and spelling, it's kind of useless. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't taught to them in a way their brain would understand. So really quick, when we talk about a dyslexia program, dyslexia therapy, you know, kind of that, what we would recommend for most school-aged kids, um, what's so special about what they do versus what's being taught in the classroom? Well, I think it's important, what I was going to say before that real quickly is the importance of diagnosing and identifying dyslexia because the intervention is so crucial. So it's not just that your child can repeat the grade and learn the same information that they learned in kindergarten or first grade all over again and catch up and fill the gaps and be fine. Mm -mm. Being taught the same way, the same things, is not going to make a difference. So a dyslexia therapy program has a lot of evidence and research behind it. The curriculum programs that most dyslexia therapists use, whether it be one specific program or a combination of a few different dyslexia therapy programs, it is very multi-sensory, meaning it involves all your senses, your touch, your your taste, your your hearing, your seeing, your your kinesthetic, your gross motor movements. So you're seeing it, you're hearing it, you're doing it, feeling it. you're feeling it, and it helps the it, that really helps kind of rewire the brain and get those receptors connecting to each other and it sticks in your memory longer and more efficiently when you use multisensory. Those curriculum programs for dyslexics are also very structured and very systematic. So they're structured in a way that they don't just start with letter A in the alphabet and teach you A, A, Apple, and then B, B, Bat. It's very systematic, and there's research behind it, and I can't even tell you exactly what letter they start with, but I know for a fact they don't start with A. And it's research on dyslexic brains. On dyslexic brains. So they're teaching dyslexics the way their brain learns best, and in a very systematic way, and they introduce a letter, and they practice that letter and that sound for maybe a week or two. They'll spend on one letter and its sound, and they'll practice writing it and hearing it and saying it and they'll write it big and they'll write it little and they'll feel it on you know scratch paper on the wall and they'll touch it and they really make sure they have mastered each and every sound before they add another sound or letter to it and then start making little um blends blends or sight words uh word families right like once you learn ah you can get bat and sat and cat and mat and 
things like that. So anyways, I I think it's very important to identify dyslexia because individuals with dyslexia really do benefit so much from a dyslexia therapy program and they are able to make really good progress and start experiencing more and more successes. Which is also why the early, early identification is so important. You know, we teach kids how to read in kindergarten, first and second grade, and then third grade, you're reading to learn. Mm -hmm. And so if during those formative years, when you're getting all those foundation skills if you're if your child is sitting in class or you were sitting in class and whatever was being taught wasn't making sense and now you're all of a sudden having to shift to that reading to learn you've lost all those skills so if we can catch it early while everyone is learning the same thing the dyslexic kids are just learning it differently right I always tell parents it's like it's like they, they sit in the in the regular classroom and the teacher's teaching phonics and they may as well be teaching it in German and then they get put in the dyslexia program and they're like Oh, why didn't you say it that way the Uh first time? Like, that makes sense now. You're speaking my language. And they actually learn the rules, the underlying rules of why certain letters make certain sounds and why they make certain sounds when they're in between two consonants. Mm -hmm. And they start to understand our language more. Don't they learn how to code? They learn how to code. like Code the letters consonant vowel consonant or this is a schwa or yeah. a short a or a long, long a. yeah yeah they which is also really helpful for them that, adding that visual piece too mm-hmm. and it helps i think their brains um benefit from knowing the why behind sure. behind those reading rules and the sounds it makes it black nice. and white like math it does exactly it's more concrete for them so those programs for adults maybe not as appropriate but there are places in our there programs are. that are designed for adults that don't necessarily go back to the very basic phonics mm-hmm. but do go back and reteach some of those rules in a more you know age appropriate way sure. so again it's not just for school age kids right. to get that remediation and get that extra help it's definitely important for anyone who's been diagnosed with dyslexia to go back yes. and try to fill those gaps. And and I think also it's important to note that when your child is diagnosed with dyslexia and they start in a dyslexia therapy program, the progress is very slow in the beginning because they do start out in a very structured, systematic way and they spend a lot of time on each and every letter and sound. You're going to see progress, but it's very slow in the beginning. But what happens is that child starts realizing A, there are other kids that struggle the Mm -hmm. same way I struggle because they're grouped with other individuals with dyslexia. They, B, start experiencing more and more little successes when they're in that dyslexia therapy program. They start being able to read short words, short vowel words, and, and opening a page and recognizing more and more letters and more words and sounds. And so it helps boost their confidence and their self-esteem and gives them that that confidence they need for when they're back in their regular classroom learning with their peers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So early identification is important. Getting them in an appropriate intervention program is key. So if you guys have any questions about dyslexia or about any other kind of learning disability, feel free to email us at letstalklearningdisabilities.com. Abby, what's our fancy new website? Our fancy new website is www.ltldpodcast.com. I don't know why I can't remember that. I need to write it down. Let's Talk Learning Disability Podcast. 
So hopefully this has been helpful and informational. If you guys have questions or have suggestions about future episodes, stuff you'd like to hear, we are happy to take your suggestions. Um, it's kind of fun being back, just Abby and I. It We've is. done a million and one interviews, which have been so much fun and so mm-hmm. incredibly informative, but it's kind of it's, fun just being back is. the two of us. It's been a long time since I it was know. just the two of us here talking. And and one other thing we're going to put in the show notes, I just want to make sure everyone knows that a really great resource is IDA International dyslexia association you can learn a lot of information about dyslexia and get some great resources and and then every state has their own dyslexia handbook in fact texas just updated their handbook within the last six months and made some changes to their dyslexia di- uh, their dyslexia identification process so within the state you live in if you search dyslexia handbook there is a handbook that is usually a couple hundred pages but we'll talk about what dyslexia is what it isn't the diagnostic criteria signs and symptoms how you get your child how you get assessed in your child in your school if you want to do that exactly so So. that's another great resource all right well i hope you guys have a great day thanks for being here and come back and visit us for episode 46 we're going to talk a little bit more about learning disabilities i think it's just gonna be me and abby again so i'm looking forward to that great thanks everyone for listening have a great day thank you so much for joining us today In our show notes, you can find information about today's talk, as well as links to resources and other episodes. If you have questions about today's talk, have ideas for future episodes, or just want to stay connected, you can contact us through Diagnostic Learning Services on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So, let's keep talking learning disabilities. This podcast is sponsored by eDiagnostic Learning. You can find more information at www.ediagnosticlearning.com.